Yo, my people, it's your host, The Boss, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, my friends and foes. What's up? Friends and foes? Yeah. <laughs> Why foes, Mimi? Well, you know, friends and foes just sound a lot better than saying, you know, friends and enemies. And you know, we have to give a shout out to our enemies in anything that we do because they're our biggest supporters. So, okay, I see you. <laughs> yeah. Well, ever since I finished watching the Netflix show, The Tinder Swindler, everything I say is just my enemies are after me. Like, if somebody <laughs> calls me, hey, what's going on? Are you coming to hang out with us? And I'm sorry, my enemies are after me. <laughs> I can't do it. That show was crazy. I mean, for those of you who haven't watched it, like, I'm sorry, it's too late because the entire um, world has probably watched the show. So get on it. Well, I kind of caught the show halfway through and I was kind of like attached to the show because normally attached? when you see this kind of show, yeah, because normally when you see this kind of show, you can be like, this is not real. Like, you don't think it's real. But then when you see he manipulated it, it by making sure that he has a bodyguard, a second in hand, I'm like, he took a long time to prepare this because it's not only one person, like about how many people were involved in this that he got that um he con. Yeah, exactly. And I still I was so shocked that to date he had not been put in jail for swindling these women. But again, there are laws around everything. We won't go into much detail because of course, you know, because we're lovely people here on this podcast we don't want to <laughs> spoil for everyone so watch the tinder swindler um i started actually watching the other inventing anna it's not bad but it's not i don't know i still prefer the tinder swindler over that inventing anna um show speaking of the tinder swindler i thought that he has a deal in hollywood or something he has signed an agent now so it looks like he's doing good after the show you would think that he would be hiding right yeah, like, well, I mean, Netflix has <laughs> made him more popular. But one thing that um, that I saw the other day on an article was that the, spoiler alert, the Lviv family, you know, the mm -hmm. family that he was imp impersonating as to being part of the, the family. The rich family, and yeah. Now, and now suing him. But I'm just like, I'm so confused. So all these years, it's now that you're suing him? Like... <laughs> So you waited until he had his name got popular. And so I'm not understanding why they did not sue him earlier on. Like, why is it now? I guess, anyway, it does make sense because I guess nobody that knew national who attention. He was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now that national attention could be negative attention to their mm -hmm. family. Exactly. Oh, and, I, and this dude apparently is saying that he never mentioned anywhere that he was a son of the family. I'm like, it does not matter. <laughs> You literally photoshopped yourself standing with the Levy family. You you fabricated a paycheck for yeah. your girlfriend that you were I mean, swindling. That's really messed up. You know, anyway, let's not even go into that because it's a long, 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 long story. We can spend all show talking about it. Exactly. Okay. The next story that I wanted to share with you, I don't think you've heard this, but... There is a controversy that happened in um, in the Catholic Church. I mean, out of all the hundreds of thousands of controversies, this one actually really shocked me. So apparently, there was a Phoenix priest that resigned after his diocese learned that he was performing invalid baptisms. Okay? 
So for those of you who are, I guess, non-Christian or atheist or whatever, you know, every religion or every Christian faith has their own, like, you know, rites of passage. And so baptism is one of the main things that a priest or a pastor will, will perform in the church, right? So, right. <laughs> so this article was... Um, the news the news came out from the National Catholic Reporter <laughs> and I'm going to loosely quote the article. It said specifically it was reported that Father Andres used the formula we baptize you in the name of the Father of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they say the key phrase in the question is his use of we not I baptize you. So I'm like, I'm confused okay. though. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, hold on. I thought normally, whenever you do this in a Catholic church, you have everybody stand up with the priest, right? And as yeah, he, you do. I know that he's by saying I, but everybody in the church is accepting the. Why is this gonna eliminate all of the baptism he has done? Yeah, so that's a valid um, concern and valid response to that, but. The loophole here is that even though we as a community, as a church, are participating in this baptism, Mm -hmm. the person that's performing is representing Christ. So he should be saying, I, I I baptize you, not we. Because by saying we, he's he's, uh, indicating that, oh no, it's us humans and the church. But I'm just like, I and we... I mean, we could have included, <laughs> okay, Christ, the church, mm-hmm. and us. So exactly. do we do we not have a say in anything in our faith? That's what I'm not understanding here. Like, so that's really interesting. That's exactly that's not everything. So because of his baptisms and um, and it was not even baptisms too; it was weddings as well. Oh no! Yeah. Weddings so, too. so now, <laughs> so now. People, the people who went through his who went through his church are now, you know, having concerns that okay, it's my baptism. Are we valid? valid? <laughs> are we are we legal? married in church uh, legally? Like are we like what's the the deal? So that's why I'm just like I'm sorry. Like the Catholic Church came way too quick on this like decision. Like, they, they, but when there's like so many other issues that it could have been resolving. So and imagine that. He was a uh, apparently so he became a pastor in that church in April, and then before that, he was also a parish administrator um, in that church. So they have not disclosed how many people are affected by the discovery, but it looks like they are working to identify all those people so they can now perform a valid baptism. So imagine being 80 years old and they're telling you, Hey, I'm sorry. Like your baptism at one year old doesn't count, doesn't count, buddy. You're going to hell. (laughs) Oh, I I just feel for all involved. The priest himself, everybody who has gone through that. That's a big story for just one single, or the, the word like I and we, that changes everything. Yeah. Wow. That is really crazy. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I mean, from the article, he said he deeply regretted, you know, and is working to discuss, you know, with his. I mean, yeah, like you say, it's not really his fault, you know, maybe like, maybe like you said, maybe he should have. But I wonder then all the other priests in the same church, 
they didn't give him that advice or they didn't uh, understood I that thing. I, it looks that's like that, that's really what I was trying to find out like okay somebody must have called him out or somebody must have sold him yeah. out because like, all these years of saying we baptize you we baptize you it was probably one priest that came you know how different priests visit different dioceses right mm-hmm. different church yes. so he probably saw the baptism and was like hmm I don't know if this is right let me check with the doctrine or yeah so it's yeah so he basically resigned um oh but now i don't know resigning means what does that mean he's just gonna not be a valid for everybody he's gonna (laughs) exactly so yeah so i think that's something that needs to be adjusted in the in their in their doctrine because in the doctrine of fate because that's that's gonna imagine how many imagine how many people how many people, you know, went through that? And also, you know that he was not only a priest in the U.S. Apparently, he was also a priest overseas as well. So, so how do you track a... all of that? Wow. Yeah, so... Exactly. That's why you say sometimes it's good to leave room for error, but not in the Catholic yeah, Church, they're so very he, stern he, on the He roof. did his seminary term in Brazil, and then he taught at the university. Then he you know, became a director um, at San Diego State University before he now became that um, priest at the Phoenix Church. So, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of diocese he's been at. Okay. Now, speaking of feeling bad for everybody involved. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to discuss the situation in Ukraine and the unfortunate events that have been happening, you know, since the beginning of last month, right? It began like early last month. Now, obviously these are events that, you know, had were ongoing, but full on attacks did not start. Uh, no, ha- start until the beginning of last month, and I can't believe it's been over a couple of weeks since this happened, and we're still here today. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really sad right now what's happening there. It's incredible because, like, you know, we here are not physically in the line of attack, but we're being kind of attacked in some faces where you see, you know, the pr- gas prices are so high right now. Like how I I paid four four dollars for gas, which I've never ooh, seen. Ooh, yeah, ooh. four dollars for gas. Yeah. yeah, I was just talking with um, a friend of mine that just think about it. Like last year, around the same time in uh, March, beginning March, gas was one ninety four. Can you believe that? Yep. Gone from one ninety four to four dollars on over a year span. That is the true definition I've of inflation. I always wondered: is it is it legal to store? gas in your house like how like how is that like let's say you wanted to prepare for like cases like this where inflation and um, things like this happen and you wanted to store like what's the safe way to do it and has it been legal for you to do it because i can imagine the 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 risk behind that exactly because you know with petrol right the diesel for those are explosive so you yeah. don't want to put that in your house where you have light sources you know switches um cooking equipment things like that matches so most people i think sometimes some point the gas station uses those um specially designed containers for fuel yeah and they put that in them and then they can store it maybe in their in their storage or somewhere that is like and those containers are not i guess what's the word flammable not flame no yeah they can cut they, they can be flammable if you put a light right on, on it right but it's not easily exposed to the atmosphere so you have more like a sealed container where only the fuel does not react with the container I'm to cause any kind of I'm pretty sure people are doing that. I'm pretty sure. Like, 
Cause yeah, but that's, that's it risky. is it is very risky. But I mean, I thought about it because I was like, look, how how can I? What if you're stranded somewhere on the road and you need? But then uh, it's a bit uh, it's a bit tricky. So um, I would not advise it. So don't don't <laughs> don't do that, guys. Okay. And it, not even only gas price, even food. Like last week, I went and bought just a few vegetables and fruits, and I spent almost a hundred dollars. I was like, just for this what? few. I supposed to spend like fifty dollars for this same amount of food. So basically, but that's double food the for prices. how long? Like the whole week or for like a couple yeah, of days? just for the whole week. But it's just like fruits and vegetables. Normally, when I buy that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's fifty dollars. But it was a hundred dollars. Like I, I was mean, I shocked. feel like we've been going through the fruit, uh, food, uh, price prices things like the beginning of the year. So I don't yeah. think it's just it's just a... being it's just been increasing gradually. Like you know, that's what I'm saying. Along with the oil prices, now with Look, food too. At this point, so that's a lot. We are just going to need to stay home and grow our own vegetables and just not eat out. I'm wondering what's happening to the Uber, the Uber drivers, the food delivery services, because I'm sorry, I, I don't understand going to pay $4, I'm sure $6 in California for gas to deliver yeah. people's food at the same rate. So I hope that those services, Uber, Lyft, you know, uh, DoorDash. I hope that they're increasing the prices for those delivery drivers. Yeah, because if not, they will have nothing really in their pockets after everything. Anyway, coming back to the crisis in Ukraine, of course, this is not a political show, but it mm -hmm. is our duty to shed light on the things that are affecting African people in the diaspora. And Ukraine is one of the countries a lot of Africans went to. You know what pisses me off? After the story that came out as to what's happening in Ukraine and Africans are fleeing Ukraine, there were a lot of questions asking like, well, what are Africans doing in Ukraine in the first place? Why can't they stay in their country? So I'm like, excuse oh me, God. excuse me, like that is your problem. That is your concern. Yeah. Every other citizen of the world has the right to leave, to travel, to study abroad. Like, like if you go now to the internet and search Africans in Ukraine, instead of shedding light on, okay, resources and how you can help these students, there are articles upon articles saying, oh, why Ukraine was such a hot spot for Africans or hot spot for immigrants. I'm like, do we really care about why they went there? Like that's not a story right now. We're exactly. On, people people leave and work and seek, you know, seek different, different places in their lives that will improve their lives and careers. It doesn't matter. It could be the U S it could be Ukraine. It could be South Africa. It could be anywhere. So I hope that, you know, we can, stop this whole nonsense of like just trying to analyze the reasons why oh africans are doing there. it when you should be focusing on like shedding light but anyway for those of you who don't even know you know the story of what's happening unfortunately it looks like the africans that have been in ukraine now not just the africans obviously i think it looks like all of the the immigrants that are that have been there or non-immigrants uh or let me just say non-ukrainians that have been there uh yes. but majority of the reports we've heard were from asian and 
African mm-hmm. people were being discriminated when trying to leave Ukraine. Yes, I've heard a couple of stories that even when, you know, some of them, you know, escape as they show in different to go to Poland or to go to Moldova, most of the time when they arrive the border, they put them as the last people to process through. Because even when War News was watching the other day when I was talking to some Africans over there, and they said they've been waiting there for up to 72 hours to get processed, that they told them that they will come to them last. I'm like, if you have, if you are living in this country and you're legal living in the country, what is wrong with processing you normal like a Ukrainian too? Because you were in the same country that had all these problems. So it's not like that you are somebody different from the person that came from the same country. You all were living in that country that has all this crisis going on. Exactly. You came you came there to study, not come there to take arms. Now, by all means, here's my thing though. If you moved to the country and for study or whatever reason, you got married, you immigrated there, you're now uh, I don't know the Ukraine immigration policy, but if you're in the steps or in the ranking of being a permanent resident or a citizen of that country, even if you're a non, you know, you're black or whatever other race you are. Yeah, you should be, you should remain there and fight. I'm sorry, like that, that's my take on it. But if you're you there fight for, for the country, huh? yes, you should. Like, I'm sorry, like, why you're, you, were, you were trying to immigrate there in the first True. place, right? Yeah. And you've mm-hmm. gotten nationality. Now they're having problems. You want to escape, like, excuse you. Like that, no. that part, I, that part, I definitely stand with that. But I don't think that's what's been happening. Majority no, yeah. of, of the cases have been students. Because again, Ukraine, the education there is really affordable. Mm-hmm. So that's what's been um, attracting a lot of students all over the world, not just Africans and Asians, all over the world to go study in Ukraine. So um, I, I really hope that, you know, we continue to shed light on this. And especially for the uh, African people, Black people in general, who, you know, who've just, gone through racism in every aspect in times of peace in times of war you know the color of, of our skin is just always going to be a major factor now i'm not saying that it's the, it's the main cause of everything but it is a reason you know and one thing that i want to also stress in this podcast and because i was having conversations with people and anytime you try to bring up the mis- maltreatment of like the non-Ukrainians, mm-hmm. Africans and Asians, they're like, no, there's no way that it was racism. Stop trying to bring negative energy to Ukraine when they're suffering the most right now. I'm like, no, it's totally possible for you, for the two, two things, things to, to exist. Mm-hmm. You can have sympathy for Ukraine and find ways to help the country and get the citizens out and the non-citizens out and whatsoever and still mm-hmm. shed light on the injustices of what's happening to people of color. Like Absolutely. this whole uh, political correct culture where like right now everybody's so angry. They're just typing out, no, like stop trying to bring, you know, shed light to Ukraine. They need the most help right now. I'm like, yeah, nobody's denying that, but you can, and you can absolutely condemn one one side of the things while continuing to support some other some other parts of the you know of the agenda you no, know i totally agree with you because like you said especially when those countries involved let's take for example i've seen the nigerian embassy Ghanaian, other countries in west africa have tried to talk to the ukrainian authorities that please 
let our students who were there on student visa leave the country. But like, like, and talk about the things and support also the Africans who are struggling because they don't have their homes there. They're trying to go back to their homes. But but anyway, so that's one part of what's happening at the border, right? Like when they're trying to get out. But mm -hmm. another part of this also is when you think about it, I mean, I'm trying to be to be impartial here. They're saying Ukrainians first. So yeah, they have to save their citizens, right? Right. They have to save their own citizens. So that part, I get it, even though everybody should be treated equally. But think about it, though. If you guys are on a ship and they're saying you need to save, you know, three people first and you're you're there with your family of three, you think you're going to choose, you know, number one, your mom, your wife and then your two kids, you know, your wife and then one of your kids and then have somebody that's not your family join the boat when your one kid is left behind. So that's how I'm seeing that reasoning of they are saying citizens first. But the issues where I'm having a problem with is that they're saying citizens first, okay, then they're saying women and children, right, next. Mm -hmm. But then when they say women and children, the issue include everybody, not just like your citizens in that mm -hmm. sense. So, but, and I still, in the beginning of this war, in the beginning of when the war started, I really blamed a lot of the, more blame on the African governments for not like acting as fast enough to send help you know, now they've done that. The Nigerian, you know, Nigerians were packed in that country. Like you can say over like what five thousand of them, like a yeah, lot of them. The high population. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So luckily their um government has sent over, you know, help to get them out of the country. I feel like anyone who decides to take up arms and help Ukraine should, you know, it's really commendable what, what they're doing because they're sacrificing a lot. Right, because, you know, with any country you do that, they always, you know, make you part of the country after you do something like that, you know, go up in arms to help. Not every country. not every country, no, though. Don't don't make those assumptions. Not every country. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's or maybe just... from the heart. <laughs> no, Daniel, you are too kind. You're like, <laughs> oh, from the heart. Like, there's no yeah, heart involved. It's there's there. No, there are policies in, in place here. I'm sure, you know, in anticipation of, I feel like they will definitely recognize all the people that stayed back to help and all that. So we're not even going to get into the whole political reasons behind why this war started, because it's going to take days. Long time. Yes. It will take days, months to analyze it, but do some studying. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do some studying and inform yourself. Okay. Don't just join the wave and the train of of what's happening even if yes you agree with it right but go ahead and still try to read up and watch the news way before all of this started not just now that it started because i think everybody now is just trying to get in their two cents on it and make it like uh you know make it from what they see right now yeah from what they see you know mm -hmm. make it yeah, yeah, anyways. But I'm sure this war has affected a lot of things, right? Even in like sports. So I'm curious to hear your updates on what this war has done in the sports industry. One of the main reasons that they tried, that any soccer analyst, soccer fan, or soccer passionate of the world try to say in any discussion 
if you have friends who love soccer, if you have parents, family, anybody, they say don't mix politics with sports. That's the number one rule of any soccer analyst in the world is don't mix the politics with sports. So what happened in this crisis? When Russia first invaded Ukraine, FIFA tried to stay out of it. They said uh, FIFA well, is FIFA is the football federation of the, the world of soccer, like the soccer yeah. football federation of the world. Mm -hmm. So they said, we are sorry by what is happening in Ukraine. But as a soccer federation, we'll just stay out of it because, like you said, the soccer players are not involved in that war. Yep. But so UEFA, which is the UEFA, is part of the European um, World Football Federation. Mm -hmm. They control what is called the Champions League. Yep. And Champions League is the league which plays the best teams in each country in Europe. So currently, in the Champions League, teams in Russia are involved in that Champions League. So the UEFA president, he's French. And obviously, France is part of the NATO alliances with the U.S. So the French president of the UEFA decided to suspend all Russian teams involved in the Champions League. Oh, Yes. So this was a big issue for the outsiders, like countries like Africa, people in different countries are like, wait a minute, why is the French UEFA president suspending the Russian federations? Like, what do those players have to do with this? Right. Because like we said, don't try and mix the politics with sports. So this caused a very big debate around the world because people are arguing like, hey, some people who are like, like you said, Mirette, the sympathizers are like, on what they see right now are like, Yes, that's right, because, you know, Russia is invading Ukraine, so anybody who is Russian should be affected. Yeah, and also sports should not be, ex I mean, I feel bad, but then a lot of things have been affected, though, food, gas mm -hmm. prices, even uh, payments, swift payments, you know, fashion designers, like they've banned a lot of things. So mm -hmm. I don't know why sports, I mean, yes, sports is a big thing, so I, I guess we'll get get where you're coming from but still though it's still a life event so right because like you said the life event of people who are not really politicians people who yes. are just you know soccer fans soccer players people who love soccer for when, when they were young they just play that so now like i told you fifa was out of this right they said just yep. leave us alone. stay neutral mm -hmm. but the uefa put pressure on them and all the u.s and nato analysis put pressure on fifa to ban russia also because now the countries that are taking all the immigrants, Mira, what country is that? What is the most popular country taking all the immigrants from Ukraine now? Poland. Poland, exactly. Poland has a game against Russia. I, I like how you gave me a history test, geography <laughs> test. You're like, okay. Yes, Poland has, Poland has a game against Russia coming up. So the Polish players were saying that, okay, just to look, you know, good, right, in the public eye or just to not be um, partially... How they call it bias. To be, they said, to be okay, impartial, yes. We will not play Russia. So once they said that, FIFA was then forced to say, okay, you know what? We have to ban Russia from all of these coming games. So Russia is not completely out. FIFA just said for the moment they will have to suspend Russia because they don't want to get, you know, like you said, people saying, Oh, why is Russia playing here when they're doing this and the war is happening? So which is kind of make a question that 
Okay, if Russia is not playing, shouldn't all the countries involved in the war not play then? Like Ukraine, shouldn't they be focused on taking care of themselves and helping That's the true. country and all the but you see, but Ukraine is allowed to play normally. So that's yeah, what people were saying that it's very tricky. Yeah, once you get the politics involved in this, it gets very, very tricky. Hmm. And to make matter even worse, one of the owners of a Premier League team, which team is Daniel's favorite team, Mirai, the boss favorite team in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Where blue is the color. Blue is the color. Chelsea. Yep. The Chelsea owner is a Russian. They call them oligarchs. Mm. Yes, exactly. So, guess what happened? He had to resign. He's been forced to sell the team. Seriously? Yep. So, yeah, that team has gone as... through a lot. You already lost your players. Now there's the that's it's just it's yeah, a lot. I know because since he came in our team, since he's a very rich billionaire. I like how owner. you say our team. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Chelsea. <laughs> so he has put a lot of money in Chelsea. He has made, you know, he bring all the stars. He brought Drogba, Eto, everybody with the big stars in Chelsea. I have to pay him off then. Uh, exactly. So that's why, like, if he's going to leave, who is going to buy him? Yeah. That's why, you know, Americans now, the football teams in America are like, hey, opportunity. The, the owner here of the New York Jets is trying to go and buy a soccer team. I'm like, what is the correlation between American football and soccer? Mm. Like, does, he know how to, does he know how to choose the right player that's why look he's just fan... buying it to do the investment I don't think he's gonna you know make the call on this major decision so exactly because Chelsea is a very luxurious team that will give you a good return because since they've been winning a lot of games and they have a big supporting well fan. Daniel you're not impartial you're very biased on this so <laughs> you're <laughs> no. like yeah because Chelsea is a good team that will give you a good no, really. investment return blah, no blah, really blah. in the Premier League there are four main teams that make a lot of money Liverpool Man United Man City and mm-hmm. Chelsea mm-hmm. so that's why I'm saying that's when I first didn't want to sell the team he first said, in the meantime, I'll just put the team on hold and give some, some charitable foundation stakeholders to control the team while I'm away. But they kept putting pressure on him to sell the team because, you know, U.S. and NATO islands, right, they're trying to um, reduce or block the funds from the big oligarchs in Russians. So this would affect him. So that's why he was like, as the owner of Chelsea, I don't want to be having my funding block affecting the team to buy and sell players. So I'll rather just sell the team. That way I can keep clean of affecting the team and still support the team from far away. So that's why it's really crazy that all the fans in the world are like, especially those who are fans of Chelsea are like, why is politics coming to affect this soccer team? But like you said, there's way more involved in this than just soccer. So in this case, we just had to abide by that and say, okay, yes, let's just agree to let this happen. But hopefully when the next round of games come, Russia is not completely out of it because that will affect more than just Russia now. Any team that will be in war in the future now will be like, okay, hey, Iraq is in war. So, you know, stop this team from playing. Or this yeah, war. that's so a good that's question. Why, why is mm-hmm. it that they're just doing that sanction now? Why didn't they do it for the previous wars that have been happening? Like I said, if you want to discuss about this, it would take more than one podcast. So mm-hmm. let's just okay. let's just say there's a lot of politics involved in that. Of course, like with yes. politics and war, these those are like synonymous at this point. Exactly. And then also for NBA players, especially the WNBA, 
a big news happened in Russia. One of the WNBA stars, Brittany Griner, she plays in Russia now because she was a big star in the USA. But last year, she went and played in Russia. So as she was traveling and leaving the country, they found some cannabis, which is like not really the cannabis we deserve, but the cannabis lotion in her back. And in Russia, that has a sentence of up to 10 years. But nobody... Okay, but hold on though. <laughs> Please tell me how she was captured because this story does not sound right. Exactly. That's why some people are saying that some people in her team are Russians. So they may have made aware the TSA people that, hey, this lady is carrying something in her bag because when she left her hotel, she was with some friends and teammates. And so maybe they knew what she was putting in her bag because she, she, she hid it in like a certain well, bag but hold like on. product. You keep saying she hid it. She, were you there when she was hiding it? Were you, no, you but... were specifically there? How do you know that she's the one that packed the lotion? This is all, this is all from the stories, right? The story that, yeah, that, that we see, right? It's no coincidence that this is happening right now during this whole Ukraine. Ukraine yeah, exactly. Because if you know, I just recently, they've produced a list of countries that that Russia, you know, is banning and America is one of them. Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, since, you know, U.S. is not in good terms with Russia right now in this war, they are trying to find any ways, right? Because if they can have, have any captives from the U.S. in Russia, then they have room to negotiate, right? Mm -hmm. Because nobody in the past, they showed the data from this, um, not even the marijuana or the weed, it's just the oil, the derivative of the, not really very strong. But, this is writing in their law that if anybody is found with weed and all those things, they can have up to 10 years. That's so they're using, like I said, they're using this as the excuse then to say, oh, sorry, we found this in your back, so we have to arrest you. So now she's been detained in Russia, and the U.S. is trying to do everything in their powers to get her out before it gets to the point of where she, her life might be in the negotiations, negotiations hands, which is not what you want. Well, they're probably going to want to exchange her with some, the, the Russian captive here in the U.S. So I don't think exactly. that's going to do anything. So that's what people have, that's why it was a very big, shocking news that... But I understand, though. Why was she going there in these times of crisis? Like, I'm so... No offense. Sometimes she Americans... Plays there. Be, but so what? Sometimes like, <laughs> Americans, you all can be dumb. Like, I'm sorry. The world does not revolve around just Americans. Like, pay attention to what's happening in the world. Why would you send your player over there when you there's a crisis like yeah this, mm -hmm. Putin kept saying he kept saying shit over and over you guys were not listening and then now it finally happened and then your player is stuck over there like it's so dumb and this just reminds me that i saw also a post in the similar fashion of how dumb it is that some models went to ukraine because they got a job offer about three days or four days ago when they arrived there now they're like oh yeah i mean we know there was war but this job offer we could not refuse <laughs> now they are crying they are crying today because they cannot leave the country it's from where it was france or, or britain i don't know which country it was but i have to find the article and send it to you are they are it they living so under a rock like i'm sorry yes. and it's even europe like so yes According but they said you... that they were aware they said they were aware of the war but they said that this offer they could not refuse the offer they, okay, so, so they, like, they were coming to model as what as people who were fighting in the <laughs> war because they say, okay, put on, put on the suit and everything and, and hold a gun so we I'm can like, show how our women and children Why would you fighting? choose this time to go there and be like, yeah, sure, this is a good deal. Let me go in the country. Like, uh -huh. it's so crazy. 
Now, on a lighter note, for the Cameroon um, supporters, I know we've been waiting since the last African Cup finish, right? Because we were very sad after the way we went out third in our home country. Well, guess what? Samuel Eto has responded. The, 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 the former coach, Antonio Concesao from Portugal, has been fired. Great. And now we have, <laughs> you say great? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I'm sorry, like we were rock bottom, so it, it can only go up from here, right? It cannot go, yes. go down. So. so now we have brought the former captain and the former brave lion, Rigobert Song Bahana. He's now the coach of the national team, which is a former player of Cameroon. Wasn't what is Song, funny... Hold on. Wasn't Song Bahana trying to be what Eto was trying to do? Become the president of the Feka Foot in Cameroon? I think he tried. He wasn't, was thinking about that a long time some, ago. Wasn't yeah. there some beef with that? Some beef among them, like... Go at the beginning, there was beef between them because um, Eto was, you know, like his competitor. But once Eto went further in the post, he decided to join Eto because... Ah. You know, as former teammates, they wanted to work together. Yep. If you can't beat them, join them. There you go. Are you done taking the African progress today? That's right. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> oh, man. But then some people are making very, a lot of jokes about this because the Senegalese coach has like um, long, very long hair. And Rigobert Bahana looks exactly like him too with long hair. Oh. So they were like, Cameroon were like, Oh, this Senegal coach won the African Cup. Let's go find somebody <laughs> like him to to come and to come and play to come and play to come and coach Cameroon. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm, I'm like, sure people... we can tell the difference between Song Bahada and the Senegalese coach. Like, come on, yes, we can tell. But you hey, know the look, internet. Whatever the internet it takes, fails. whatever it takes for Cameroon to win, if it means just making a photocopy of the coach uh, <laughs> that inspires the team in some way, go for it, boo. We'll take everything huh, right now. Yes, we'll take everything and anything. So, yeah, so all we can do right now is wait for the qualification matches against Algeria and see the performances of Rigobert Song. But now that the players, I guess I'm guessing majority of the national team players are playing outside Cameroon, right? So mm -hmm. when are they going to practice as a team? So as a coach, in, the new coach with his team. Right. So immediately he was announced as the coach of the new team. He flew to Europe to go meet the players in their in their teams now to start nice. talking with them because one week before we have our game against Algeria they will all come and join together that way he's making the first contact with the players right now so that way they can get to know him That's before nice. when they come here then we train together and then they can hopefully put a better performance against Algeria than what they did against Egypt in the semi-finals of the AFCON so that just brought a question to me you know Cameroon does not do dual um nationality so on all these players that are playing in Europe I'm guessing they have nationality in France or whatever but if the idea is that you are giving away that nationality then how come they're allowed to come back and play for the country that does that's not offer them dual nationality no you make a very big point because that's one reason why many players have who were born in other countries that are Cameroonian have refused to complete for Cameroon because if their country does not accept the dual nationalism, they don't want to risk it. All the players who are involved right now are from countries that accept dual nationalism. Schuppermotting, Germany, you know, mm -hmm. dual nationalism, you know. Um, 
We should have stopped. No, but even if Germany down. accepts dual national dual nationalism, nationalism. It, do, it does mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that Cameroon does. Like for example, right? Like the US accepts dual nationalism, but if mm-hmm. for example Cameroon doesn't accept it, if you became a US citizen here, you are just a US citizen. You have to mm-hmm. give away your Cameroonian passport. It's yeah, like so, Ghana accepts dual nationalism, so you can be both. So it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, so most of those players then they just get like a permanent residence. So they come and play with the country, but they live in the countries in Europe. I see. So you see what I mean? They get like visas, permanent residence. Yeah, they probably have an entertainment, uh, sports exactly. visa. Those people, exactly. Celebrities, exactly. they have it easy. So exactly, all they really have to do is just just to prove that maybe their father or their mom is from Cameroon, and then they give them the they say, hey, welcome, we'll take you, you know. Yeah, so, no, I'll go. I will fill out my application and be like, my enemies are after me. I need to go. <laughs> You my, see back on the Tinder Swindler. I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's your favorite term. That huh? is the best thing now. It's like, why were you late? Uh, my enemies, my enemies, oh, are, after enemies are after me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot come into work today. My enemies are after me. You should I'm tell sure that now. to you should tell that to all the uh uh creditors. If you're owing <laughs> owing debt, they call you. It's like, I'm sorry, I cannot come to the phone right now. My enemies are my after enemies me. are after me. Yeah. And to finish, we have the Champions League coming back. Interesting games are ahead of us. Inter Milan is going to play Liverpool. Now, Liverpool and Inter Milan played before, so this is the second leg. Liverpool is leading by 2-0. So hopefully Inter Milan can make up the ground. If not, they'll be out. Bayern Munich is playing Salzburg. This is also a 1-1 game, so this will be very important to see who goes to the next round. And finally, on Wednesday, Real Madrid is playing PSG. That is the big game of the week. Hopefully, we have a good result from that game between Real Madrid and PSG. When you say we have a good result, like I feel <laughs> what if because because Real what? Madrid is the enemy, Barcelona is the is your enemy, <laughs> your your enemy. <laughs> This, you so, know what? I'm going to I'm going to name the title of this podcast "Friends and Enemies" we, because yeah, I'm exactly. like, who who are you saying we we hope? I hope that like yeah, you're being biased as to the result. What if the our listeners don't like the team that you're supporting? Exactly, or maybe I'm stuck after that um, priest who used the we we every time. Yeah, say I, 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 not we. Okay, great. Well, that's it for today, um, Daniel. What's the African proverb you've chosen for this podcast. Quand les éléphants bagarrent, c'est les herbes qui a mal. Okay. Which means in English, when the elephants fight, it's the grass that is being hurt. No, so not it's see, not the grass, it's the trees. The zebra means uh, gr- uh, trees, right? Not grass. Zebra is grass. Trees is le 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 comment dit? Wait, hold on. Yeah, now you're confusing me. Oh, <laughs> you're confusing me. You're supposed to be a French teacher. Yeah, arbre, arbre is tree. That's Thank what you. I said. No, I... herb. I said herb. Oh. Le, le no, zèbre. Oh, okay, okay. Oui, so not ah, not, not les arbres. I thought you said les Yeah, herbes. you threw me off. I was so confused. I'm like, I know French. Okay, I'm like... guys, French <laughs> lesson 101. Les arbres. Les arbres. Les is grass and les arbres exactly. is tree branches. There you go. So your, your proverb says what now? It's basically talking about, you know, when the people in power, those who have the most power fight, right? It's the citizens who are hurt. So please take us into considerations in all these countries in the world. Yeah, that's a very powerful quote. Thank you for that. We 
um, hope and continue to send positive support towards the people who are suffering throughout this war. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to share on our page resources where African in the diaspora who are out there in Ukraine um, can get help. And there's been so many people that have been doing great work, raising money to help people yes. get out of Ukraine. So I'm really thankful for y'all. And uh, yeah, so we will see how this unfolds and then bring you back the latest update on the next podcast. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google. We are available everywhere you stream your podcasts. It's been I, your host, Mihai, and the boss. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye. Ciao.